here's the thing. Because I believe America's being offered a false choice right now. I believe we're being told that either you got to be uh, bold and, and provide big answers to big problems and, and be ambitious, or we got to be unified and bring everybody together. And there are some folks who are saying the only way we can unify everybody is if we water down our differences, paper over our disagreements, uh, and just soften our values. And there are some folks who say the only way to deliver bold answers is to shut out half the country, say it's my way or the highway, send everybody else packing, and crush the opposition. And I view it differently. I believe it is not only possible, it is necessary for us to be both bold and unifying. I think it's the only way forward. You're listening to California Nation. I'm your host, Brian Anderson. You just heard Pete Buttigieg. He's the Democratic mayor of South Bend, Indiana, running to become the next president of the United States. We last spoke to him in San Francisco about six months ago. And as you can imagine, a lot's changed since then. Most notably, his poll numbers. He's now polling neck and neck in California for fourth place with the state's hometown senator, Kamala Harris. So we thought it'd be good to check back in with him again and before we get to that interview, let me set the stage and paint the picture. Buttigieg spoke to a crowd of 2,500 people in West Sacramento, his largest grassroots fundraiser to date, according to his campaign. Now, before the event, I chatted with some voters, and there are two camps of people there, diehard Buttigieg supporters and others placing him on their list of candidates they're considering. Caroline Digman is a teacher in Sacramento who strongly supports Mayor Pete and plans to vote for him in the March 3rd, 2020 primary. Take a listen. Buttigieg, are you, is he on your list of candidates or are you set I'm on him? I'm pretty much Pete Buttigieg. Yeah. As identified by the shirt. Please. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So why do you like him the most and why do you think he's the person for you? So I'm 35 and... Uh, I came of age in the first Clinton campaign, um, really paying attention to politics, and I haven't heard anybody since Clinton speak so eloquently, succinctly, um, peaceably, (laughs) um, and just really make the issues clear and common sense. I haven't heard any politician left or right since him. Others, however, aren't so sure. Here's what Sacramento attorney Kate Holding had to say. What's going to decide? I'm still not sold on his health care plan. I think there are a lot of things that make sense about, um, that a lot of people don't fully understand about the benefits of Medicare for All that um, I think could be parsed out in his, he could just better explain to his potential supporters and, you know, how he won't let the health care industry still take advantage of individual people. She's considering Buttigieg, but also really likes Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Buttigieg comes from a state Trump won by 19 percentage points in the 2016 presidential election. She thinks Buttigieg is smart and can win in more conservative areas, but she's not sure whether he can win in a progressive state like California. After the event, though, she seems more optimistic about his chances here. I think he has a really good chance in the middle of the country and maybe not as much on the coast but i mean this this turnout makes me think otherwise so we'll see so after the event i scurry to a parking lot where mayor pete is just wrapping up another interview he was scheduled to speak with us for about 10 to 12 minutes but has to run so the campaign trims it to five pushing for more time we meet somewhere in the middle and hope to have him talk to us again as the 2020 primary nears so with our limited time 
I wanted to ask as many questions as possible. I asked about impeachment, his approach to California, and why he believes he's the best person to win this state. So as you're about to hear, we rattled off many questions, and he was pretty open about explaining his views. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Pete Buttigieg. This is California Nation. Enjoy the show. We are not going to have a circus here. But we just left pleasure for paradise. Can you please hug me? <laughs> Do not worry, Dutch is not here today. We, we clearly learned our lesson. These are not ordinary times. And this will not be an ordinary election. I'm Brian Anderson. You're listening to California Nation. Today on the podcast, we're bringing you a special candidate conversation with South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Mr. Buttigieg, thanks for coming on. Good to be with you. So right out of the gate, I got to get your thoughts on impeachment. Mm -hmm. You support an impeachment inquiry. Sitting here today, do you want the president out of office right now? Congress has an obligation to proceed with impeachment because the president on national television confessed to a high crime. Uh, The congressional process will uh, work its way through. I certainly think he's done things that are worthy of removal. I doubt that the Senate will make that happen, but we still have, in the name of the integrity of this country, we have to go through this process. And it's been six months since we last talked, and a lot's changed for you in those months. But. One of your key arguments is that you're running on generational change. Mm The top three candidates right now are all at least 70 years old. If you were personally voting, would that be a disqualifying factor for you? Look, I think a candidate at any age could be a great president. It depends on the vision. But I believe that our vision is the best because it unifies the American people while also insisting on bold enough choices and policies to address the conditions that helped us lead to this moment in the first place. One thing that's of a concern for the campaign has been getting support from black people. Recent UC Berkeley poll in California surveyed 103 black voters, only one of them that they'd support your campaign, and only a quarter of black Californians are open to voting for you. How are you going to combat that? What's your message to black voters? Well, first of all, our agenda for black America has been uh, praised as the most comprehensive of any candidate for 2020. We are making sure that we deal with uh, systemic racism, but also the creation of opportunity. And these policies get great reviews from uh, black audiences who are kicking the tires on each of the candidates' policies. Now, right now, uh, the VP has a, a huge advantage among black voters, but I think there are also a lot of voters who are really taking their time before they make a decision. I want to transition to homelessness. That's an issue Trump has hit California on. There's 130,000 homeless people here in the state. South Bend, Indiana's had its share of homelessness problems. What would you do as president to combat this? Well, it's really important to have federal resources and federal leadership. Homelessness has different dimensions in different communities. What we faced in South Bend is driven by different things than what you have, for example, uh, in the Bay Area. But the common thread is that federal leadership can make a difference. That means resources to make sure that Section 8 wait lists are not so long. It means promoting the development of more affordable housing and more housing, period. And it means making sure that people just plain have more income, because often when people struggle to afford housing, that's not just an issue of housing, it's an issue of income too. And Central, like you said, housing's a major issue. California right now has a proposal considering an annual rent cap at 5% plus inflation. Would you support restricting rent increases to that level? So uh, I don't think that Washington should dictate what the right thing is for different states, but it certainly seems like a promising way to keep uh, housing from becoming even more affordable in a state that has really been hit hard by the affordability crisis. So what would you do to address 
housing costs? Well, uh, for one thing, it means uh, making sure that uh, federal dollars like CDBG and home money uh, go toward making sure that there is more available housing stock. When you have that, it helps keep prices low. Another thing that I think is very important is to ensure that we have uh, healthy funding for subsidy programs like Section 8. And uh, again, we've got to make sure not only that we're keeping the housing prices reasonable, uh, but we're also uh, making sure people have the means to thrive as the cost not only of housing, but of health, education, and saving for retirement uh, are running away much faster than incomes are rising. And frankly, lots of people are tired of asking this question, but Gilroy, another mass shooting here in California. One thing that's being considered in the wake of this is a proposal to limit gun purchases here in the state to one a month. Is that something you could get behind? Uh, yeah, I think uh, the state should be empowered to do what is needed in order to save lives. And, uh, you know, this is something that the majority of the American people support. We know at the federal level we need uh, background checks, red flag laws, and more. And I think that states should be empowered to step up, too, in ways that uh, make sense for different communities. And uh, I'm glad to see California is not waiting on Washington. Should there be a national law at, in Washington saying, one gun per month. Well, my focus right now is on red flag laws, background checks, and a ban on the new sale of assault weapons. But there may be other steps that uh, need to be taken, and California could demonstrate the effectiveness of policies that are beyond what Washington's looked at. You support universal background checks for gun purchases. What about ammo purchases? Uh, I think we should consider that, especially when it comes to uh, uh, ammo that uh, can be uh, in hopefully uh, obsolete when we get the assault weapons ban through. But right now uh, is uh, part of the problem when it comes to how quickly and unfortunately how we efficiently somebody can uh, commit murder in this country. Seems everyone here pretty much uses Amazon and Google all the time. Would you break up those companies? Uh, I think that uh, companies of that size and scale should face a higher standard. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate as a politician to uh, single out a company and declare they ought to be broken up without uh, due process. But what I will say is my FTC appointees uh, and my administration will take these antitrust concerns very seriously uh, because any time a company has uh, done something to make it more difficult to compete, uh, that's what antitrust laws are for. Other candidates have floated so many different ideas from universal basic income to a wealth tax, but what do you think about a tax added for wealthy individuals? as Elizabeth Warren's proposed. I think a wealth tax or something like it, perhaps an imputed investment income tax, is going to be a necessary part of how we fund the promises that we are making uh, around better infrastructure, uh, better health, better education. Now, I think we can do it without uh, big middle-class tax increases, and I don't think it has to be punitive, but we do have to ask corporations and wealthy individuals to pay their fair share, and I don't think they are today. Yes or no, should college athletes be paid? Uh, I think we should think about it. Uh, look, there's a lot going on right now when it comes to potential reforms for NCAA and uh, you look at uh, the, the expectations for these athletes, you look at what they give and it's no longer clear to me that a, uh, the promise of a college degree is sufficient compensation for what we ask of them. So you're open to the idea but not yes on a national level. I'm not ready to declare that as a federal policy but uh, I do think it's a healthy debate. You've basically all but camped out it seems here in California lately. What's your strategy to winning the state? I talk to a lot of voters who say I'm torn between you and and warrant. There's a lot of options on the table. Yeah. What's going to separate you from the pack and how are you going to win here? Well, what we've seen is that California has been extremely receptive to our message and now we need to back that up with a ground game. It's different organizing a state as big as California than it is in a place like, uh, let's say, Iowa. Uh, but we think it's going to be important because we sense that California is wide open. There's appetite for a new generation of leadership. There's uh, eagerness for somebody who can put forward bold solutions. And I think what I can offer, a little different than some of the competitor, the other competitors we have, uh, is a way to do that actually unifies people rather than feeling like a my way or the highway approach. In your speech today, you kind of distinguished or, or said it's not mutually exclusive, this right. idea of bold policies versus 
versus actual solutions. I mean, can you just sort of elaborate on that point? Because a lot of people in California really like the pie in the sky, bold ideas. Well, take the example of Medicare for all who want it. That's my proposal for health insurance. Now, uh, you can't say it's not bold. It's the most ambitious reform to American health care since the invention of Medicare itself. But the way I do it allows American people to choose what is right for them. I think most Americans will want that Medicare for all who want it plan that I propose that we create. But precisely because I think it will be the best plan, I'm not going to command Americans to leave uh, private insurance and take up my plan. I think they'll do that on their own. And if they decide for some reason not to, that's okay too. The important thing is that every American have insurance. And as a governing strategy, this is a way to make sure that we meet a big, big goal of having everybody insured uh, without dividing the American people or polarizing them further. Two final ones, just putting aside the president's dubious claims about the Biden family. Are you concerned that the, that the former vice president could take a hit politically in the polls, which could benefit you from and other candidates from the attacks Trump has been I think we uh, have to deny the president the ability to change the subject. This is about a presidential confession of high crimes on television. Let's deal with that. And then uh, over on the Democratic primary side, we can compete over who will make the best president. Final one. What's something California voters don't know about you that they're going to hear for the first time on this podcast that they should know? Uh, I don't know that I came here ready to make (laughs) news other than to say that, uh, uh, you know, you're going to continue to see us not just in the biggest population centers, uh, but some of the communities that may have felt passed over in the process. South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, thanks for coming on the show. Good to be with you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of California Nation. We'll be back in your feed soon. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps listeners like you find our show. Word of mouth also helps. To keep up with all the latest political news coming out of California, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Brian R. Anderson. That's B-R-Y-A-N. R-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Until next time, I'm Brian Anderson. This is California Nation. You think about values like patriotism and love of country, the way we're supposed to feel when we look at the flag. Honoring the flag requires more than just hugging it from time to time.